Hey everybody, how y'all doing tonight? Man, I feel like a song after that is just like, let's just go home. Like, what, how am I going to top that? <laughs> it's such a good one. <laughs> well, um, welcome to RUF. I'm glad you all are here. If, I think I've met most of you, but if I haven't met you, I'm Jonathan. Um, I'm the campus ministry here at New Mexico State. Um, so... Um, welcome back. We are getting there, y'all. This is um, we're at that point where you're like maybe starting to at least see a pinprick of hope uh, for your semester in spring break. So we're getting there. Um, I remember those days well. So stay the course, and um, yeah, the Lord is faithful. So um, we've been working through the book of First John, as most of you probably remember or know by now, and um, you know it. A lot of this is going to feel like repetition, but it's because it is a lot of repetition. It's because our hearts need to hear often the same thing over and over again, which is that God loves us um, and he calls us to love each other. Um, but there's a new nuance on that every week. And so we're going to look at a new, a new nuance on that this week. Last week we talked about how what love, once again, starts with God. Love starts with God's love towards us in this amazing act of adoption that we are God's children, that we're God's children. And that makes us, when we are adopted into God's family, we are able to go out and start radically loving those around us in in this really new, novel obedience. Um, And so this week, um, we're going to look again, we're going to look at this idea of love again. By this we know love. We're going to look at it one more time. And um, this week, we're going to look at two examples, a positive example and a negative example. A positive example of great, great love and a negative, negative example of really the ultimate unlove, which is hatred. Um, And I think John wants to show us this week that we all face a choice between hatred that leads to other sacrifice or love that leads to self-sacrifice. Hatred that leads to other sacrifice or love that leads leads to self... Hatred that leads to other sacrifice or love that leads to self-sacrifice. And in that ultimate love of self-sacrifice, we see how we actually start loving others well. So I'm going to read our text, and then we'll start looking at it. Looking at it. Um, so this is 1 John chapter 3, starting in verse 11. Read along with me, if you will. This is God's Word. For this is the message that you have heard from the beginning, that we should love one another. We should not be like Cain, who was of the evil one and murdered his brother. And why did he murder him? Because his own deeds were evil and his brother is righteous. Do not be surprised, brothers, that the world hates you. We know that we have passed out of death into life because we love the brothers. Whoever does not love abides in death. Everyone who hates his brother is a murderer, and you know that no murderer has eternal life abiding in him. By this we know, love, that he laid down his life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for the brothers. But if anyone has the world's goods, and sees his brother in need, yet closes his heart against him, how does God's love abide in him? Little children, let us not love in word or talk, but in deed and in truth. Let me pray for us. Father in heaven, thank you for this time tonight that we can step away briefly from the grind of academics and spend time together around your word, around song. I pray for these next couple of moments that you would take these words and separate them from all the other words that we hear in our world online in class, but that the, you would, your spirit would actually speak to us through this and that we would be a transformed people through it. 
It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. So again, I want us to see two examples this week. Two examples. But first, I want us to look a little bit at verse one, uh, verse 11. What does verse 11 say? He says here, For this is the message that you have heard from the beginning, that we should love one another. And so John is telling us here something that we've talked a lot about the last couple of weeks, and it's something that we, should pro- we probably all agree to, but I still think it's important to say. Um, it's that we all agree that, and he says, we can all agree on this. This is something that we've heard from the beginning, that we need to love one another, that we need to love one another. So whether you're a Christian here tonight or not, I think we can all agree that we live in a world that pretty much needs more love, that needs more of this self-giving, more, self-underst- more understanding of the other rather than selfish seeking of ourselves. And um, I think one of the ways that this is seen is so I, where I live, the neighborhood that I live in, there's a house right next door to me that has a sign up front. And it's, um, it's one of those size, signs that says, hate has no home here. Hate has no home here. here. And it's written um, in English, but then also in Spanish, and let's see, Chinese, Arabic, Korean, Hebrew, and another language I don't recommend, recognize. But it's in a bunch of different ways. And what it's trying to communicate, what it's trying to communicate is no matter who you are, no matter where you're from, no matter where you're coming from, no matter your race, your creed, your color, hate has no, no, hate has no home here. Hate has no home here. And there's two, why would someone put a sign up like this? Why would someone, like a neighbor, put some, a sign up like this? Well, I think it's pointing to something that our whole culture recognizes right now, is that we live in a world that's full of hate. We live in a world that just is full of hate, like what Evan was praying about, or just walk around your campus, you see little pieces of it. But not only that, they want to be a part of the solution. They want to say, like, our home is a place where hate is not. This is an inclusive place. This is a welcoming place. To say, you're welcome here. We accept you. And our world needs more of that. It ne- most of us in America, and most of it at New Mexico State, we would agree with what he says here in verse 11, that we should love one another. But as soon as, as, soon as we get that far, we run into two questions, right? We run into two questions. We ask, well, first, what is love? What is this love that we all know that we want in our culture, in our larger society, in our school? And then the second question is like, how do do we have the strength to to do it? Because love like that is really hard, right? That love is like when someone's really difficult, it's really difficult to love them back, right? Where do we get the strength to do that? That's why we're looking at this book. That's why we're here tonight. And John is going to give us some clues to that love. So John is first going to, tonight, like I said, he's going to give us two examples. He's going to give us a positive and a negative example. So we'll start with a negative example. And this is, this is John showing us the ultimate example of unlove, the ultimate example of, of even hatred. Look with me at verse 12. What does he say? He says, We should not be like Cain, who was of the evil one and murdered his brother. And murdered his brother. So what is this? What is he talking about here? Some of you may know. Some of you be like, I have no idea what he's talking about. So this takes some background work. Um, so in the, in the Old Testament, which is um, the first 39 books of the Bible, um, the very first book of the Bible describes how, how humans came into being, how God created them. And it says that God created Adam and Eve, the first, two, the first humans. Um, and then it says that he created them good, but then they sinned by eating of the forbidden fruit, and they, um, they broke God's commandment, and they brought sin into the world. And then things just got worse. 
It just got worse from there. And so they had two sons, Cain and Abel. They had two sons named Cain and Abel. Cain was the older one, and then Abel. Um, And Cain was a farmer, um, and then Abel was a shepherd. And so both of them, it says at some point, they both brought a sacrifice before God, um, as was customary in the time. And um, Genesis 4 tells us that God accepted Abel's sacrifice, but he rejected Cain's sacrifice. And, and we're to infer, and other parts of Scripture tell us that it's because Abel came and brought his sacrifice to God from the right heart. He came with a heart that was worshipful and that wanted to please God. And, and, and we're to, other places in Scripture tell us that Cain was n- not there. He was like begrudging and wasn't entirely on board with this idea. So God rejected Cain's sacrifice but accepted Abel's. This made Cain really upset. It made Cain really, really upset to the point that he started, like, deep in his heart, just started ruminating anger towards his brother. Why did, why did God accept my brother's but not mine? I, we both gave something. We both gave something. Why did he not? And so he just bubbled up within him. And eventually it tells us that um, he killed his brother because he was so angry at him. Um, and so this is a really important story in Jewish literature and the Jewish people's understanding because... The Jewish people saw Cain as the first murderer, sort of as the, like the archetype of evil. Like all evil comes, you know, he's the, he's the first really bad, really bad person, the first great murderer. They saw him as the ex- ultimate picture of unlove and even of hatred. And we do this today. So it's not a weird thing for someone to do this. Like if you think of a person or a figure of pure evil, who do you think of? Harvey Weinstein, yeah, that's a good one. He's a pretty horrible person. But most of us, I think, would probably go to Hitler, right? But then Stalin. But, you know, the first one thing we think of is Hitler, and then we can all like, have a, a, a laundry list. So this is what the Jewish people did with Cain. And so what does Cain's example teach us? What does he teach us about? It shows us that hatred, this hatred that he had, is the opposite of love, and it, this opposite of love leads to other sacrifice. Out of this heart of hatred comes to this example, he's like, he kills his brother. He literally kills his brother. It's the opposite of the love that we want. So, okay, that seems pretty obvious, right? Well, most of us can think like, okay, don't be like Cain. Well, why would John say this? Why would John tell us, give us this, this negative example? Well, I think it's because he wants to tell us about a reality of the world that we live in. Remember, Cain represents hatred of God, hatred of God's people, Hatred of everything that God stands for. What does, it tell, what does John tell us here? He says that Cain, who was of the evil one, because his, and then it tells us later on, because his deeds were evil, which means that Cain is this figure or this person who is in league with everything that is against God. That means he's in league with Satan. He's in league with the forces who oppose God's love. That means that there's all these forces out there who hate the righteous, who hate those who follow after God, who hate Christians. That's why he tells us here, this is the world that we live in, like what Evan was praying about, a world that absolutely, that's full of hate, and it hates Christians, and it hates everything that we stand for. That's why John tells us here, sort of out of the blue, but it makes sense. He says, do not be surprised, brothers, that the world hates you. Do not be surprised when the world hates you. Jesus says the same thing in John 16. He says here, he says in John 16 that they, that the world hated Jesus so much that they killed him. 
And if they hated Jesus so much that they killed him and Jesus is the master, how much more are they going to hate his followers? How much more are they going to hate his followers? And friends, hear me say this. The world hates Christians. It really does. There are places where our faith is illegal, where, we, where people cannot gather. We are extremely privileged and blessed that we can even be here tonight. I, I looked up some stats. Um, 255 Christians are killed a month, per month for their faith. That's like pretty bad. Um, Christians in 60 countries are persecuted by their government because of their faith. And even in like modern countries like China or something like what Evan was talking about, it, pastors and Christians are persecuted, like really persecuted, imprisoned, tortured, put behind bars because they're Christians. So this even happens in our world today. Even in America, we can suffer for our faith. It may not be like life and death issues, but there's still issues where, here's the reality, you may be judged even on our campus for being a Christian. It may happen. Don't be surprised when it happens. People will judge you if you think that marriage really should only be between a man and a woman. That's not a popular thought today. That's just a hard thing for our world to understand right now. Or if you think that abortion is a great moral evil. That's a hard thing for our world to understand today. You'll suffer. You might even suffer for your faith. And so that's what John is telling us. He's like, look, there is this part of this world. Don't be like it, but know that it hates you. It's opposed to you. It's opposed to everything that you, be, that you believe and you stand for. But there's a second reason why John gives us a, this example from Cain. He wants us to say, he says, don't have this selfish love that just eats away at you and breeds murderous thoughts. Don't have this selfish love, this hatred. This point should be pretty obvious, um, but John makes it, but then he raises the stakes a little higher he says this kind of hatred is linked to murder and, it's, and, it, and, it, and leads to eternal death. Look at verse 15. What does he say? He says, Everyone who hates his brother is a murderer, and you know that a no murderer has e- eternal life abiding in him. Now some of you, I hope almost all, in fact, I do hope all of you are like, I'm not a murderer. <laughs> I, that, that maybe, that probably doesn't really describe me. Um, I don't have this sort of hatred, so maybe this doesn't really apply to me. But I want us to see that actually it sort of does in a way. Like deep down inside, Jesus says um, in Mark, he says, For from within, out of the heart comes evil thoughts, sexual immorality, theft, murder, adultery, coveting, wickedness, deceit, sensuality, envy, slander, pride, and foolishness. It's out of each of our hearts. That's where it all starts. And that starts to sting me just a little bit. That the start of this sort of vitriolic hate that can breed even to murder, of this sort of this resenting thought of, you know what, I wish you weren't here. And for some, I, sometimes I just wish you weren't even alive. I wish you didn't exist. And I think we all sort of, we all catch ourselves in that moment, right? Where there's that moment where you're like, man, I just wish this person wasn't in my life. Man, I just wish this person didn't exist. Maybe it's your roommate. Maybe it's your parent. Maybe it's your sibling. I don't think Cain probably just was up one day and was like, I'm going to kill my brother. It was probably this slow cycle of starting with a small thought of like, why did I not get accepted, but he did? And then it, maybe the next step was like, but why, why is he even here? Why is this guy even here? And then like, Man, I wish he wasn't here. And then it just sort of 
snowballs into this hate that leads to murder. Murder of, and all, I mean, it's, it's, it's really, and it will eat you. It's, it's deep within us and it will eat us. It has grave consequences. So that's the first thing that John's telling us. He's, I mean, it's obvious, but it's true. He says, don't be like this. This is not loving. This is not what our world needs. This sort of seething anger that is often just sort of lying deep inside of us. That's the negative example, hatred that leads to other sacrifice. But then he also gives us a positive example, a positive example of love, and it's a love that leads to self-sacrifice. A positive example of love that leads to self-sacrifice. First, hatred that leads to other sacrifice. Now, love that leads to self-sacrifice. Look with me at verse 16. Now, he pivots quite a bit and he says, By this we know love, that he laid down his life for us. That he laid down for his life for us. So, if, here's John is showing us perhaps in the, most, the simplest language that he can possibly conjure up what the gospel is what the basic truth proposition of the Christian faith is. And it's that God, that God in Jesus Christ loved us so much that he would put his own life aside, that he would put his own life aside even to the point of death on our behalf. That he would lay his life aside so that we can live. We're sinners. We're the kind of people that have this sort of hate brewing up within us. And we deserve God's punishment. And yet, out of that, even God, in the person of Jesus Christ, died in our place so that we could live. Love led to great self-sacrifice. Love led to preferring others over himself. Jesus is this ultimate example, this model to imitate in self-sacrifice. So John tells us in a very condensed form, this is the gospel. This is the gospel that he laid down his life for us. But he doesn't stay there. He really, I mean, he, next phrase, he switches it around and puts it back on us. What does he say? And we ought to lay down our lives for the brothers. Jesus laid down his life. So you too, so you too ought to be willing to lay down your life. So what is love? Love is self-sacrifice. Love is self-sacrifice to the point of even laying down your life, even to the point of loss for life. And I want to pause right here and reflect on this for a minute. Because John has, what has John just done? John just showed us what love is. Remember, we live in a world around us that's asking a lot of questions about what is love? How do I know what love is? How do I become a more loving person? How do we get a society and a school and a culture that's more loving? And John just said, he just, he says, by this we know love. The God of the universe sacrificed himself for your life. That's where love starts. Love starts with God's incredible love towards us. Paul says it in, another, in one of his letters. He says, God shows his love towards us and that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Jesus says, greater love has no one than this, than someone lay down his life for his friends. Here it is. This is what we need. This is what we've been searching for. This love. This self-sacrificial love. We can all think of examples of this sort of thing, right? The captain who dives on the grenade to save his men. Or the teacher that happened just a couple weeks ago who barricades himself against a door, against a mass shooter. Or the mother who pushes her child aside in an oncoming car. That's what love truly is, right? These are ultimate acts of self-sacrifice. And John is calling us to nothing less than this kind of love. 
to be willing to even lay down our lives for others. He says, Jesus did it for us. How can we not do any less? We should be willing to do the same for those around us. But this is more than just willingness to die for someone. This is more than just a willingness to just like, if it was just that, then you'd be like, okay, I, I, can, I can die for someone. That's, yeah, but honestly, that's probably not going to happen. Like, it might. It might happen, but it's not going to happen. And so, John is not going to let us lay, just sit right there. He says, sacrifice is for the good of others, but it's radical self-sacrifice. If the furthest extent is being willing to give your life for someone, then basically everything else needs to be on the table. And so he does not leave us just with this love as some great heroic act of love. He drives it home in a really, really practical way that kind of stings. It's kind of stung me all week as I've been thinking about this. He says in verse 17, he says, But if anyone has the world's goods and sees his brother in need, yet closes his heart against him, how does God's love abide in him? And so this idea of like self-ultimate sacrifice is like really good in theory, but like I said, most of us probably aren't going to be called to this level of like laying your life down. But then look what John says. He says, but if you have the world's goods, if you have the world's goods, what does he mean by that? Basically, the world's goods are like the material possessions of daily life. Food, clothing, shelter, transportation, those sorts of things that you just need to get by. He says, if you have these things and you see someone who doesn't and you're just like, nope. Don't, I, don't, I don't care. Then he says, how can God's love be in you? How, can you? how can you actually really love someone? How can, if you're not willing to give up what you have, if Jesus gave up everything he had, how can you not? And that should honestly, that, I mean, this is where it stings. That should describe all of us in this room, that we have the privilege to come to a university, to come to college. We all have those privileges. So he says here, if you see someone in dire need and you close your heart off, how can you claim that the sacrificial of love of God is, is in you? And he said, his, his question is like, you can't. Don't fool yourself in that. So our world does need these tremendous acts of self-sacrifice where you're willing to die. Like it needs that ultimate example of love. But almost in some way, it needs more just like daily mundane acts of self-sacrifice, Right? It needs that almost even more. This day in, day out, plugging away at loving those around us and like giving a jacket away if you've got, like I collect jackets, like it's just a hobby of mine. I probably need to give one away. And I've been thinking, I'm like, dang it, I like my jackets. I got some really nice jackets. I probably shouldn't, I mean, you know, like, or um, giving away, you know, giving away money to a church or a homeless shelter. Or if you see someone on the street and you've got an extra taco from going out, you know, it's, it's just day in, day out, radical giving up of everything that we own from our money to our lives to our stuff so that uh, that's what love is. So how does this apply to our lives? It means that anyone who calls himself a Christian needs to be willing to give away the real physical things of life to others. If you have a job, it means you should probably be tithing. You should probably be tithing, probably around 10%. That's what Christians have done throughout the ages. If you have a lot of shoes, you should probably donate some to Savers or to Goodwill or something like that. Um, Tim Keller, who's a great pastor out in New York City, says, we should give until it hurts our lifestyle a little bit. We should give until, you know, give until your lifestyle adjusts. That's this radical charity that John is calling us to, 
to prove that God's love is at work in us. Not so that we can earn God's love. We've talked over and over this last semester that God's love is already present in our lives. We've been adopted. We are daughters and sons of God. So we're not trying to make God love us by doing things. We're responding to what God has done with love. So some of you might be thinking, what does this look like while I'm in college? I've got no money. Like, no money. Um, How do I have a surplus to give anything away? And Jesus tells a story about a widow um, who lived on literally pennies a day. And he says he saw her give like two pennies into a temple coffer and says, I tell you, she gave away more than than someone who gave away thousands because her heart was in it. So if that means that you find that you're like, I can give five bucks a, a month. And you say, Lord, here it is. Take it. This is yours. I want to make this. I want to love those in ways that you've loved me. That's exact. I mean, then that's, that's plenty. Overall, John is telling us in this passage, he says, look at this example of God's love and respond to those around you likewise. Prove God's love is at work within us. Look at verse 14. He says, we know that we have passed out of death into life because we love the brothers. Whoever does not love abides in death. We know that we have passed out of death into life because we love our brothers. That doesn't mean that you earn, again, you don't earn God's love by giving. You prove that you have been loved by God by giving. We've gone, he says, we've switched over from the realm of Cain and the wicked and the evil and we switched over into the kingdom of light, of truth, of goodness, of this true love when you see yourself giving. When you love one another, it's evidence of spiritual life, not the basis of it. When we love each other, it's evidence of God's work, of God's spiritual growth in us. So look what he says in verse 18. He summarizes for us. He says, Little children, let us not love in word or talk, but in deed or in truth. It's really easy for us to talk about love, isn't it? On like a college campus where we talk about tolerance and acceptance, it's really easy for us to do that. You know where it gets hard is when you have to start putting, putting feet to that. Start, like, it starts hitting your wallet. When it starts hitting how you behave with those, that's where it starts getting hard. It's easy to talk social justice and tolerance and neighbor love and charity. But John says, don't just talk big game. Prove it in little ways like giving five bucks to a church, to the church, or giving a $2 taco away, or even in big things, all the way up to big things, like sacrificing your life for someone. So I've been thinking a lot about this week. What does this look like at New Mexico State? What does it look like for New Mexico State for do this? I thought of a couple of ways. I think maybe it means like giving your friend a meal swipe if you're on the meal plan and you know your friend isn't. Maybe that's what it looks like. Or maybe it means driving a friend to a grocery store if you have a car and they don't, even if it means less study time. Maybe it means giving away some of your clothes. Maybe it means taking some, giving some money away to an organization that will provide meaningful care to those who are really hurting in our community. Y'all, this is hard, hard work. It takes creativity. It takes discipline. Because this is not the bent that our hearts generally lean towards. But this is true self-sacrifice. This is the love that God has given us. So how do we do this? It's hard work. What motivates us? What gives us the strength to actually do this? Hear me say, the only thing that can motivate us to this love is that Jesus is not only the ultimate model of love, he is the power to this love. 
When we believe in Jesus Christ, when we believe the gospel, we are united to Jesus Christ. We're united to him in such a way that we die with him and we are raised with him. And that gives us the power. The Holy Spirit fills your life in such a way that you begin to say, look what God has done in me now. How do I respond? The power to love is, is not to just put a sign in your yard. It's not just to put a protest on a, on a piece of cardboard. It's not me saying love your neighbor. You're not going to go out and just start loving your neighbor by hearing me say love your neighbor. The power to love, this real sacrificial love that we all need, it comes from knowing and experiencing and believing that Jesus loved you enough that he laid down his life. That's where it starts. That even when we probably would have hated him because he would have called us out on things, he died for us. He sacrificed himself for us. And once you start to see that, once you start to see God's love for us, you begin to move towards others with that love. Love starts with Jesus' love, but then it moves towards this neighbor's love. John has a pretty straightforward message to us this week, but it's something that we all need to hear. He tells us, don't be filled with this hatred that is lying deep within us that can resurface into even murder. Don't do that. Rather, consider Jesus' love that he would kill himself for us. Consider that and then be motivated by his love towards the great love for those around us. The heights of self-sacrifice or even the mundane little ways of giving things away. Challenge yourself. How do I see Jesus' love more and more? And how do I respond to that love with this radical charity that Jesus is calling us to? Let me pray for us. Father in heaven, thank you for your word. Thank you for how it really does challenge us. It cuts us. Um, it, it has this week, at least for me. Um, so thank you for that. But Lord, we're, uh, we're weak. We don't like to be challenged. Um, we like to be right where we are. And so we need your spirit to gently but effectively prod us towards greater love because lord we do want and need a society and families and a community that loves better lord may it start with me convict me first and then may it go out into this community may we be a people who are radically selfless to the point of giving up our lives or in the small little ways start with us father it's in jesus name that we pray amen